Welcome to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church here in the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, visit us on the web at gftnc.org. And now, here's Touched by Grace. Don't be guilty of losing your first love. Now, remember the first love. I want to show you a first love principle. People are looking for love in the wrong places, but let's go to this. There is pleasure versus purpose. Oftentimes we do what we want to do because it feels good and we won't do what we have to do. And it's all wrapped up in our purpose. So we've got that as a challenge. Another challenge is self versus sacrifice. We can do it for ourselves or should we make the sacrifice? Shoot, you better take care of yourself. Shoot, you say, I ain't going all the way over there. That costs too much. It's gas. You better take care of yourself. You ain't taking care of yourself because if you were, you'd dress a lot better. If you were taking care of yourself, you'd be able to eat better. If you were taking care of yourself, you wouldn't have a doctor bill at all. You're not. God's grace is taking care of you and his grace is sufficient for you. So when you start talking about self versus sacrifice, Sacrifice wins every time because he doesn't desire for you to give him bulls or lambs or doves. He asks for your contrite heart. And do you know that obedience is even better than your sacrifice? You know, Lord, help me with my sacrifice. Help me with my sacrifice. It's God's sacrifice in the first place. What makes it a sacrifice is that he gave it to you to give back to him. That's what made it a sacrifice. It wasn't a sacrifice from God. It was a blessing from God. And you give it as a sacrifice to him. Money, time, talent, and whatever else you got to give. If it's just your good looks and your beautiful smile, then you sacrifice that and you give it. Another opposition that we have is understanding gift over giver. We don't understand gift over giver. Well, but we do. We, we actually put gifts over the giver. I'd much rather be gifted than have the giver. If God never uses me to do another thing, I want the giver of the gifts, my gifts. I need to be where I can use my gifts. Okay. Are you going to look at the giver or you want to just look at the gifts? Because gifts are a dime a dozen. I can go to a bar and pick somebody out that can swim circles around you with the Bible. I can go right now to a club and get somebody off the dance floor that can liturgically dance that'll make you cry. I can get somebody right now that got a big mouth that is running game all the time on the streets that can persuade you to dump all your money on the altar. So gifts and callings come without repentance. So do you want the gift or do you want the giver of the gift? I want the giver any day. I would much rather God than just have a gift. So you got a gift. Big deal. There's so many people with gifts and they rise and they fall. But if I got the giver, then there's no shortage of the supply and I can use my gift according to the purposes of God. You stop and think about the gifts that you have in your life. You won't even use the gifts you've got. You're looking for some others. We're not looking at the giver. Here's the other challenge because we got competing forces. Let me show you the competing forces. These are competing forces. The competing forces that we have is our time and time management. It's my time, so I don't have time for God. I'm still talking about where's the love. I'm still talking about losing your first love. Remember when you first got saved? You you all going to church. Can I get a ride? I want to go to church. You going to church. Is it church tonight? I need to go to church. I want to go to church. But after a while, you lose the luster for that. I ain't going to spend my whole life in church. Well, where are you going to spend your life in eternity? But it ain't going to be church. Well, it's going to be some praise. It's going to be some worship. It's going to be some bowing down, some sacrifice. And you don't want to come do that once a week on a consistent basis. It's only four weeks in a month. And you can't hit it three out of four. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Stop and think about this for 52 out of a year. And you got two on your on your ticket. Stop and think about it. Stop and think about this for a minute. If there is a love that you have for God, then time and time management is not an issue. I will do what I need to do outside of the time that I'm supposed to have God time so that when it comes time for God time, I can do God time. 
I can do the things that are God oriented in the time that is allotted for those things so that when it's not God time, I don't have to do those things. I can go and do something else. God is not that stingy. I mean, he's God everywhere you are. He's the master of time. He created time for us. He stepped out of time to make time in order to show us that in time that we come to know him over time. But how can we manage time? That's an oxymoron. How about we give him the time that he's due and let him manage the rest? Does that seem fair? So time management shouldn't become a competing force. What's the next competing force? We have another one. People and pleasures. People and pleasures. I want to be around people and I want those people to make me feel good. If those people don't make me feel good, then I find no pleasure in it. I want to come to church because them people, them people don't love. You don't love either. That's why you came to get some. Love. So people and pleasure becomes a competing force. So you want to go and be with people who bring you pleasure as opposed to people who help define your purpose. I don't plan to please nobody. It's not my assignment to be pleasing to you. I don't want to be a pain to you, but I'm not striving to please you. I would venture to say that when you start focusing on people and pleasure, you have lost your love for God. I just want to be among my friends, me and my friends. We're going to hang out. Well, if your friends are not pleasing the Lord and y'all don't find yourself managing your time to give God his time, then those are not your friends. That is not pleasure. And please get you somebody else to hang out with. So people and pleasure is a competing force. Real quick, the next one. If I were to ask you right now, what are you going to be doing two years from now? Uh, if I were to ask you six months from now, where are you going to be? If I walk up to you six months from now, where are you in your life? If I ask you about three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if I say 20 years, what you going to be doing? Now you can fantasize and you can even uh, uh, try to prophesy something to yourself. But if you don't have some type of focus on a goal and you have lost your focus, you will not get to any place that you desire. You'll show up somewhere. In fact, when you don't have a goal, any road will lead you to where it is that you're going. But when you have a goal, you have a specific set of things that you must do on a regular basis. And the competing forces against the love of God is when we lose our focus and we don't have any written goals. We don't have anything that says this is where I'm supposed to be by now. This is what I'm doing. How many have a set of written goals that you look at on a regular basis? Goals. I'm not talking about just a list of things to do this week. I'm talking life goals. I want to prophesy to the life goal people. I want you to know that he who begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And if he let you write a set of goals, those goals are going to be accomplished in your life. Don't turn back on your goals. Don't forget to look at them on a regular basis, because when you write a vision and you make it plain, who who reads the vision can run with it. Another word for vision would be goals. All right. Goals. When you have a set of life goals, when you project yourself out, what you're doing is you're sealing your destiny and you're sealing your future. So pray about it and continue to work toward those goals. If you think about the stuff that you can mark off your list that you've already accomplished, it's because you marked it on the list. If it was never on the list, you would. I'm talking to you all because they didn't have a written set of goals. And I want them to realize that now we're eye to eye. I'm a goal oriented individual. I love people, but I, re- I really love people who have goals because that experience it. You're here because we're both going somewhere. You're here because you have a set of goals too. And there's nothing wrong with having goals. Your goals should be complemented by the environment that you are in. In fact, the goals that I have should be a blessing to your goals. And the goals that you have should be a blessing to my goals. And the goals of the church are, are goals that you can identify. And you can find your goals in life in that. You don't take anything away from it. And it doesn't take anything away from you. They build upon one another so that we can get to our destiny. So thank you for having a set of goals. Thank you for having a set of goals and yet your life is being mapped out. Do goals change? How many of that standing has ever changed your sets of goals? Oh yeah, they change. 
I mean, there's some gold pages in my gold page book that I can just rip the whole page. I'll be like, not. <laughs> or I can add another page. I was challenging somebody the other day. I said, finish your gold book, write another, put another chapter in your book of goals, because most of these you've already accomplished. You know, don't just stop and celebrate because you've accomplished the goals. You got to get some more because you, you ready to go now. You ready to die? No, you get some more goals. So get some goals. Those of you who don't have a goal set of goals, I want to challenge you. That's why they're standing and not you. Because I want you to say, I got to get a set of written goals in my life. Career goals, spiritual goals, financial goals, emotional goals, social goals, educational goals. You need goals in every area of life. Physical goals. Physical, me and my wife is in a challenge. I'm going to tell you what it is. We got a physical challenge right now. And we're both in. Neither one of us are winning, but we still got the goal. <laughs> I, said, I said, maybe we should just put the, we say we're going to give each other a certain amount of money if we do a certain thing by a certain time. I said, maybe we just put the money on the refrigerator. It'll refer, it'll, it'll inspire us. You need something to motivate you towards your goals. The word of God can motivate you, but look at the outcome. Another competing force, another competing force, priority and passion, priority and passion. Sometimes we have an issue with priority. We don't know how to prioritize our lives. So what happens is that our passion gets out ahead of our priorities and something that's very, very important becomes very unimportant because the passion has overridden the priority. It is a high priority for me to be in the house of God on Sundays, on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I do have times when I'm not. Sometimes my job will carry me out and pull me out. But my highest priority is to be in the house of God. Why? Because you're the preacher. When I wasn't the preacher, she'll tell you it was my priority. If I had to drive three and a half hours one way to get back, it was my priority to put God first. If you seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be added in your life. God is still adding stuff to my life because the priority is clear. God is first. The things of God is first. Notice I didn't say church is first. The things of God are first. And when your first love is God, the second, third, and fourth will fall in place. You say, I love such and such. Love it, but love God first, and such and such can come to pass in your life. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires or passions of your heart. He will give you what you're driving for. He will give you what it is that you want to accomplish and what you want to get. So passion and priority are supposed to work hand in hand toward the things of God. But do you know that that becomes a competing thing? I, I just I just don't want to be in church on Sunday. Well, where are you going to be? Sleep. So that's your passion. Where are you going to be? Golfing. That's your passion. Tiger Woods. Arnold Palmer. No, not quite. I want to do something with my life. You've got a whole week to do something with your life. Give them the first day of it. And I hit this hard and heavy, not because I'm just recruiting people to fill the seats. You're going to come in one day and it's going to be other people sitting in your chair. It will be. It already happened to some people. I watched this church turnover over nine years. I've watched the turnover is unbelievable. And I think that it also proves that God is constantly training and developing and growing people. And everybody that lead don't leave for bad reasons. I mean, some people go off to be what it is that God has called them to be. And that's because God will do whatever is necessary to push you into your purpose if your priorities and your passions are right. The last one, that's a challenge. This is the last one. Everybody can relate to this one. Everybody got some money problems and some resource problems. Well, if I had, well, all I need, or I can't wait. Some of you got a mailbox ministry. You ride your mailbox like a pony going out of town because you expecting for that prophet's prophecy to come to pass that in three days, you're going to look in your mailbox and God is going to give you a check for nothing, for absolutely nothing. No reaping, no sowing, no principles, just a check. You're going to get a blessing. God is going to overtake you with blessing. Why? 
Well, if you love him like that, then go ahead and command it. Call it in. And when your mailbox ministry is perfected, give me one of them. Understand that money cometh because you worketh. No worketh, no cometh of the moneyeth. <laughs> it's just that simple. If you can only reap what you have sown, if you don't give no money, you ain't getting no money. If you don't give any resources, you don't get any resources in return. So when we have this competing force of money and resources going on in our head, we are confused thinking that we're supposed to give something that we've never sown into. Huh. Look at somebody and go, huh. Thanks for doing that for me. I just want to get up in some people's face and go, huh. When we have this expectation of money and resources that's unreasonable, we play God like he's a fool. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. He's rich in houses and land. There is no lack. The world and they that dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. But who shall have the audacity to ascend unto the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place with your hand out? He that has a clean hand and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, who ain't tried to play me, and ain't tried to play nobody. I'm talking about those people who are genuine and real and understand. God knows what you have need of. He knew you needed it before you needed it. He knew you was going to need it before you knew you thought you was going to need it. He know what you want. He know what you need. And he knows what he's going to give you. He just simply says, if you ask of me and you believe, I will do it for you. If you knock, I will open the door for you. If you seek me, you will find me. What father among you will give their children a stone if they ask for bread? If you need something from God and you're in love with God and God is in love with you, he's going to give you everything that you need. So you won't have to search all over trying to find something from somebody when it's coming from God. He is my supply. My money doesn't come from the bank. My money comes from God. My resources don't come from the earth. My resources come from God through the earth. My resources are God and God's promises. And when you get that, there is no competition. You've been listening to Touched by Grace, an outreach of Grace for the Nation's Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, log on to our website, gftnc.org, or call us, 616-974-9128. Our mission here at Grace for the Nation's Church is to reach the diverse people of the world, by teaching biblical principles and life application of the scripture. Despite the present-day challenges facing individuals, families, and our communities, we believe there is hope.